All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's time for the Wally Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show. I'm Brent Wallace, and he's Mark Mathot, who says he's in the best shape of his life because training camp is officially underway. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that opening. I was just working out earlier, but my knees are still hot garbage. So it's a, I'm, I'm very top-heavy uh, in recent uh, times here, Wally. I- there, I though I'm so tired of the I'm in the best shape of my life comment as everybody goes to training camp. Name me one guy that's ever coming to camp and goes, man, you know, I wish I was in better shape. It's funny. It's funny because and, and we I feel like we've had the same conversation last year around training camp, but it's always the same thing, right? The young guys coming in, putting on 10, 15 pounds. Oh my goodness. They're only putting on weight because they're still growing into a full-blown adult. And then the veterans come in roughly the same on par. And just trying to maintain through camp. So, yeah, I get it. It's just people are excited, man. And I think that's all it yeah. really comes down to. And, and chances are they are in the best shape of their lives. It's actually <laughs> fact. Uh, this show is always brought to you by Ridge Rock Beer, RidgeRockBrewCo.ca. Uh, try the Amber Ale, the Blonde American Pale Ale, or my favorite new one, this Fro. It's Norwegian. Um, 
you use the Wham Show for 15% off on your beer order. Get home delivery. Uh, go to ridgerockbrewco.ca. And uh, best of luck, by the way, to Calvin Ahan, part owner of Ridge Rock Brewery, who is on a PTO in Carolina. Um, lots of things to talk about, by the way, including uh, Mark Broussard on a PTO in Ottawa, which you foreshadowed earlier. We'll get to that in a sec. Let's get to the topic of the day, and that's uh, Pierre Doran and DJ Smith on Wednesday held their first presser. They haven't had one in, I, since the, I want to say the end of the season and perhaps the middle of the season. And that is the allegations regarding Drake Batherson and Alex Formanton. There has been nothing from the team about it really throughout the entire summer. And so today was the first time they got a chance to ask them questions. Um, I was shocked that Pierre Dorian didn't start by actually addressing the allegations. I thought he should have just made a statement. And secondly, it took other questions before Ian Mendez from the athletic good friend of the show finally asked the questions in which I get math. Pierre Dorian can't comment on the allegations. He says, I can't comment one. It's an ongoing investigation Two, the NHL has told me not to comment until the investigation is final. I get it. The only issue I had through all that was they should have addressed it right at the top and not had not had to wait for a reporter Halfway, I shouldn't say halfway through, after some questions got asked before that became the topic. Yeah, I I thought he handled it fine. I know we're obviously going to disagree here, only that I think we agree on most things uh, with regards to this whole awful situation. Um, but, I mean, when you're the general manager, and this is probably more of a league issue, I think he's just pushing it towards the league, and he's probably been mandated or told – to you know, reserve comment until the yeah. investigation ends. I understand what you're trying to say. I get it, and good on Ian for asking, of course. But I, I just, I think at this point, I mean, Care, DJ, all these guys are so hyper focused on hockey. We all know this is a very important issue, and certainly something you want to snuff out of the game. I'm not going to sit here and throw a bunch of buzzwords that don't mean a whole lot. We obviously need to take action, make sure this stops fucking happening. Apologies for this, the f word. I, I just, I think as far as the presser on Wednesday went. I mean, he's just doing his thing, and I'm sure the the league has probably had these discussions with Pierre on this specific yep. issue to not address it, and then until you're asked the question, to push it to the league and allow the inv investigation to just take place. It's, I, it just should have been off the top. It's the number one topic around the Ottawa Senators and the entire fan base at the moment that mm. that should have been the first issue addressed. I I understand sure. there's not much to say, but the other so we but what like what do you want him to say? So, he'll, so we get emails to the show, I want to say one or two a day about this topic and why more people aren't talking about it, why we shouldn't be completely condemning Drake Batherson and Alex Formanton. And here's what I want what? to say, to, and I know we've addressed it in the past. I don't know what happened in that room. I, lit, I wasn't there. I know there's an investigation going on. So unless I know that Alex Formanton and Drake Batherson are part of this I don't know what to say. There's nothing I can say. A, I'm not going to bury them because I don't know the answer. And B, I'm going to wait to find out exactly what happened before comment. I think that's the right thing to do. For everybody mm -hmm. that wants everybody just to come out and jump all over this and say they need to just fade away into the abyss, I don't think that that's fair. I just no. want there to be answers before there's a comment. And if that's the case, and if they're in there, and they're one of the main focal points of this, then let's, you know what? We will address it at the time, and we will talk about this issue and the fact that this is completely unacceptable. But until that time, I don't have anything else to say. No, I, I, but you just said it there, right? You can't really comment on it until you actually know what the hell went on. So I think at this point, 
It's like, you know, let the, let the, the investigation take place, Wally. And if you're the general manager, you're Pierre. I, th- I thought he handled it just fine. I thought he said all the right things. Um, and again, I know you could argue that maybe he should open up with it. But I mean, like we said, good on Ian for asking. I thought Pierre handled it really well. And this is this is a tough situation. I mean, if you're you're managing a team, expectation levels are high and you've got all kinds of distractions going on. It's a tough position to be put in. Now, of course, it's your responsibility to address it. I thought he did. Maybe you wanted him to address it right off the bat. I, that's beyond my line of understanding. I so, don't really know the problem okay, hold on, for this kind of Wait stuff. Wait a second. So if none of those reporters asked the question, you don't think that Pierre Dorian should have said something about the Drake Batherson, Alex Forms and Hockey Canada situation? Well, I'm sure he knew that somebody was going to ask him that question. No. So then start it right away and you can put an end to it right away. You start by saying, listen, I know all of you have questions about Alex Foreman and Drake Batherson. Two things. I cannot comment by the league rules and by the ongoing investigation. I can't say anything. Two, Alex Formanton is not under contract. We're currently negotiating. He's a restricted free agent, much like Brady Kachuk was at the beginning of last year. We continue to work through it. But until we, A, reach an agreement on a deal, or B, the investigation comes to a close, I don't have any further comment. Okay, so your criticism of the press conference today with regards to this topic in particular was that yeah. you think he should have opened up with this topic. because yeah, okay. I, I think they should have addressed it sooner. That's well, whatever. What yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I don't have a rebuttal other than, you know, it had to be answered I, at some point. He answered the question. And yeah. uh, until we can all, you know, get it really angry about it and start calling for heads, we have to wait for all the facts to come out. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yep. Fair enough. I agree. I, I just, and, and we've talked about hockey culture needs to change. I, I'm, this stuff needs to, we need to solve this. So, um, mm. but I will wait for the investigation come to a close. So, and with that said, let's move on to, uh, on the ice topics, and there's plenty of them to talk about right now. And that's brought to you by Sports Interaction, uh, sportsinteraction.com slash volume of thought. They are Canada's sports book leader. Uh, you can go to them. They'll match their your first deposit up to $500 in sports bet credits once you place qualifying sports bets, and those bets have been settled. Uh, sportsinteraction.com slash volume of thought. They are going to have a great year uh, as we pick and choose our way through games and to find out what will transpire as the Senators get through the 82-game schedule. Uh, Pierre Dorian said the expectations of this hockey team are to be playing, full me- playing meaningful games at the end of the season and to be mm-hmm. in it at the trade deadline. Do you believe this will be fact by the trade deadline? I, I, li- I really liked that press conference. I thought... Like when it came to some of those questions, I mean, the hockey one in particular, the way he answered that question, like that's what we've been preaching, right? Like we've been preaching that we were preaching it last year and, and all summer saying that the goal this season should be to, you know, come spring, you want to be in the hunt. And I think um, obviously Pierre mentioned that, which I really liked. And I think it's a no brainer answer, but I, I, I think it's realistic. I think with this group, considering the fact, first of all, that you're looking at a very strong Eastern conference, we have to understand this. Okay. Like <laughs> we can't downplay that fact alone because look at some of these teams there. There's not a whole lot of change or turnover in a lot of those lineups that we're seeing return. Florida was a bit in question. Um, but other than that, I mean, for the most part, I mean, we're talking about hundred point seasons from those top eight from last year, Ottawa completely look a completely different look in that hockey club. I like their odds, Wally. I still think they're going to be on the outside looking in. I hate repeating myself over and over again, but um, I like the comments from Pierre and DJ. The assessment from this group is, 
you know, on paper, yeah, they look a lot better, but they still have to bring it and they know the importance of the start. And um, the biggest takeaway for me though, is just the attitude. Like I was at the golf tournament there um, the other day and um, you could just feel it, you know, around that group, they look really tight. And that's typically what happens when you've got a young group growing into growing up together and coming into the league together the way they have been. So, I mean, the chemistry will certainly be there. A lot of stuff working in their favor right now. So I've got some high hopes. Uh, and we're going to get to that golf tournament one sec. Plus, we'll get yeah. to, as always, the defensive pairings. Uh, but that being Jeez. said, <laughs> we, we have to. Um, I know. If you, you, you talked about them being, I guess, a tighter-knit group and the, the camaraderie and all that stuff. Does it matter that much in a season for them to start skating together? And we kind of addressed it in the last show. But the way that they're trying to bond together, does it play a, a factor as they try to win hockey games? Oh my God. Like it's, there's no question. I mean, when you've got a tight group like that, that you're actually playing for each other and you don't have a bunch of individuals worried about their stats, worried about their next deal. I mean, we're talking about a group now that they've pretty well locked up most of that core and, and man, like, like just that just juices the group up going into the year, right? Like you've got that instant chemistry right away. And when you're playing a long season and you've got 82 games and you're playing every other night, you, you got to find it. It's hard to find that motivation sometimes. So when you don't have that strong chemistry and you're going into another game, you know, you're going into Boston, you're going to Montreal, you're flip-flopping all over the place. It can get very challenging. So it's a lot easier to pick each other up when you're tight and you've got a good group like that. And um, I honestly think that I'm not just saying, I'm not just throwing it out there. Wally, they look like they've got it figured out now. Um, there's some pieces that need to improve here, but I think for the most part, um, you've got to be satisfied for the overall makeup. I will say rarely do you ever throw anything out that you don't actually believe in. So I, I will take you at your word. The Thank one you. thing uh, I meant to come back when you talked about the teams in the East and how tight it will be and yeah. that they may be on the outside looking in. I just, have you looked at the injury list through the Eastern conference? Like, uh, no, like Tampa's suffering some injuries right now. Uh, Anthony Duclair is out in Florida. Uh, a couple others, if I'm not mistaken, like Detroit's battling okay. through some injuries with some players. Yeah. Uh, I think Boston has got a couple as well. Like there are teams that are, I'm going to say banged up as they start the season that have significant injuries. Uh, Tampa's are concerning to me. I think Sorelli's out until the new year. Um, and someone else possibly, I don't know where Braden points injury status is, but I just feel like there yeah, is a chance here based on the way these teams are battling through some injuries. Yeah. And <laughs> It, you know, the, yeah. Okay, great. I mean, there, there are some injuries and I, I obviously don't wish opponents to get injured ever yeah. when I'm, when I'm, you know, especially on this side of the aisle now that I'm not really playing anymore, but um, yeah, it's opportunity. But when you're the Sens, you're in that locker room, you're not even paying attention right now. Maybe the coaches are a little bit aware, but I mean, for the players, the group, yes, they've got a great group put together. And I heard, you know, Claude Giroux had a great, great quote about that at that golf tournament when he had his little presser with, with the media, he's like, you know, we look great on paper right now but you still have to get it together and pull it together as a group come game one of the regular season. And that's going to be the challenge for all these new players, you know, Giroux and Dabrinkat on your second line. They haven't played together. They haven't played with Stutzel. You've got, you've got literally three players that are completely unfamiliar with each other on the ice. So I have no doubt that they're going to figure it out. They're probably going to get into this thing seamlessly, but nothing's certain. You're never guaranteed anything. So I think for them, it's like, just focus on what you have right now. Don't worry about all the injuries around the NHL. Worry about your own group and, and build from there. I, I wasn't worried about the sense. I'm just trying to get you on board. 
with my playoff prediction. Okay. <laughs> I That's know. all I'm trying you to did, do here. And you did call it. And I have to give you that. I, I just, I'm, I, I, you know what? A, I, I'm telling I just, you. I can't just throw out some bold prediction without really paying any attention to the group <laughs> and where they're at right now. Give me a few games. Craig, Craig, please put the tweet in of the show uh, where Meth says uh, the Leafs won't be as good as the Sens in two to well, three years. When you talk yeah, about was, bold predictions. Yeah, I know. I know. Fair All enough. Right. I was trolling a little bit, but but I do believe just based off <laughs> of that core, you know, and and, and then, yeah. of course, you know, spending a little more money. We heard Pierre kind of touch that on that a little bit as well during yeah. the press conference where he was like, you know, I don't want to. And I believe it was Lisa. It was Lisa that asked yeah. the question. And he's like, you know. I'm not going to say that, you know, we're going to spend all the way up to the cap, but we have a lot of space and we're certainly not on the floor anymore. So it sounds like they're all really kind of galvanized now with uh, the new direction of this group and team and, and the organization. So that, that kind of just transcends down to the fan base, right? You feel all that yep. positivity. And I, I mean, just being there, just being there the other day at the golf tournament. I mean, everyone's pumped. There's no weird sort of unknown feelings going into the air. Everybody's super optimistic and that's all you could ask for going into training camp i because i can remember a few times covering the golf tournament and it just being like this quiet yes. hum like exactly you, you knew there was an outlying issues but you didn't yeah. really discuss the like it just felt like there was a dark cloud um, i agree yesterday I agree. was completely different and i think that you know they changed the venue they went to lock march uh it just felt like a whole different kind of atmosphere um which leads me to a question oh but how'd you play by the way not bad not good though i had a really cool a uh, really good group of guys. Uh, it was Jeff, Mike, uh, and Steve, great dudes, instruction guys. Um, and uh, they were really good. And I was terrible to start. Started to round out a little bit toward the end. Not that anybody here gives a shit about my golf game, I, but uh, I but it was it was a great, Wally, it was a great day. Um, you know, the weather was pretty rough in the morning. There was a little rain, but it cleared out and um, raised a lot of money. And everybody had a good time. Uh, when you played in the Sands Golf Tournament as a member of the Ottawa Senators, who was the worst golfer on the team? Oh, man. That's a great question. I, I'm, I'm trying to think back of guys that just had no business being out there. And there aren't too many. The I Europeans. Mean, I, yeah, the, Euro, the Euros don't typically play a lot. There are, of course, Tennis. some that play a ton. You know, Alfie's, yeah. Like, yeah. Alfie's basically scratch. Eric likes to play a lot. Um, so it's not uncommon. But, um, yeah, oftentimes... A lot of, I, it's a lot of the, a lot of times the Eastern European dudes, you know, like the Czechs, yeah. the Slovaks, yeah. um, the Russians, they do not play golf. <laughs> so well, they might show up for I, the dinner. But they don't grow yes. up with it. Right. I mean, yeah. I remember Marty Hathlet, and all that. Sedano Chara. Uh, yeah. I think Anton Volchenkov, none of those guys yeah. wanted to play golf. They were just like, no. ah, well, and we'll it's just like, I get it. And if you haven't swung a club ever, I mean, it's, it's foreign to you, right? Like you just, it's yeah. not fun when you're out there and you're, you're not playing well, very well. So it takes time. And not when you're a hockey player, because it's it's not the same swing, so it completely messes no, you up. Like, it's different, yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. I, okay, so talked about positivity. We see more positivity now as the training camp rosters are released. Uh huh. This is where they put Team Alfie, Team Phillips, Team Neil. Like, never seen that in the past. We've seen Team Red, Team White, Team Black. Another step forward. Uh, and I saw Alfie uh, this week. I'm trying to remember the days. And it might've been last week. Sorry. Uh, and remember on, we had Tim, uh, we had Alfie in our first show and I found out afterwards, Tim Stutzla wanted to meet Alfie. He watched the show and said, I'd like to really meet Alfie. And at the time, of course there was no Alfie around. Well, Alfie's been at the rink. That's one thing people should need, need to know that Alfie's been hanging out Two, Alfie played 
uh, Padal with it's like that. It's the new thing that Alfie's brought over. It's like tennis, racquetball, all in one. He played with Stutzla, Eric Brandstrom, and Alfie's yeah. brother Henrik. They they played so they've actually met. They've had good conversation, uh, and it's just good to see a the the icon that he is around the team or it just gives everybody a bigger boost i know he doesn't officially have a role yet i don't think that's right. going to happen until there's a sale but we do see alf daniel albertson being a member if you will of the ottawa senator group yeah it's huge it's huge when you have alumni uh walking around and they're involved with the team specific yeah. and i'm not talking about guys like me i'm talking about guys like philly Neeler, alfie the guys the lifelong senator players of course um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it speaks volumes. And I, I had a really good conversation with DJ and Pierre at the golf tournament just before we got out there. I just wanted to say hi to them. And, um, DJ really emphasized the change. You know, he wanted to change the culture around there. He wants guys to come to the rink. He's like, you know, Matthew, you want to bring your kids come in for a meeting. I don't care. Obviously I would never do that, but he was extending those invitations out. And I, I, I mean, it goes a long way, man. Like when I was in Dallas, yep. there were always veterans and, and and alumni walking around and it sends a message to the group right like that that in this organization no matter where you end up afterwards whether you're traded or you retire you're always welcome back and it creates a really good culture around the group showing that the team is willing to take care of you and it doesn't mean it doesn't take much to do that right it's just bringing you into the to a to a game or bringing you in the alumni box or a practice or letting your kids yeah. come out and skate maybe on a day off where the group's not around and you want to go to the rink. So it sounds kind of silly, but it goes a long way. And, um, you know, it's, and it's optics, right? If you're a current player and you're seeing all this stuff, it's huge. Yes. I, and I completely agree with you. So I'll, and I've always remembered this and people will probably complain, but John Mockler came in as GM <laughs> and yeah. the first thing he did was repaint the locker room. He put yeah. up signs of the Stanley cup and he, and he changed the paint color in that locker room. I think they wanted, like, he couldn't match the perfect gold color. I think he painted it three times. He didn't, but he had to paint it three times. He put <laughs> the logo on the carpet. He said, if you don't talk about winning the Stanley cup, you're never going to get it. Yeah. You're never going to reach it unless you look at it. You see it, yep. you think about it, you dream of it. And he was adamant. He changed the culture. Oh, and by the way, they went to the Stanley cup final as him as GM, right? Like, you, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. That culture changed, and so did how the team performed on the ice. Well, and I pays. think it's huge. Yes, and that's a great example, Wally. I mean, it pays when people within the organization and around you, your peers, believe in you and give you hope like that. And whether yes. it's silly yes. little messaging on the walls, right? Like like little quotes. Like in Columbus, yeah. right as I was leaving Columbus, they started doing that around the room. It was very bland initially. And it didn't feel warm. It didn't feel like, like you didn't have that winning kind of feeling when you were around the locker room. And then they started adding stuff and kind of sprucing the place up a little bit. And um, it, it makes a big difference because you're there every day and you're always around it. So as you mentioned, Wally, you walk by a couple pictures of the Stanley cup, you see some cool pictures of Daniel Alfredson or Chris Phillips and some stats and pictures of them winning games. Um, it creates a little bit of pride in that room as well. So anyway, I don't want to go on a lot on, on a long no, rant about but, this, but, but it's, but it's very true. I've been through it. It resonates with the players and they're doing a really good job in Ottawa. They're, 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 they're turning it around. It started when I was there. This is nothing new. They've made big improvements. It in the locker is room. new. It what is do you mean it's, new. What's new. It's, there was, you were never allowed or you were never, there was never any pictures of Alfie up on the wall. They were, yeah, there were. no, they, when they I was, them, when I was in Ottawa, down. 
when I was in Ottawa, okay, well, I don't yes. know, maybe they took him down afterwards, but when I was yes, there, they did. and I'm not just talking about a Daniel Alfredson picture, I'm talking about expanding the back room, making a big lounge I, with couches I and a TV. But, but if you can't have pictures up of the icon of Daniel Alfredson around the, like, it's just, okay, well, you're just nitpicking one thing. Me. I realize it's a big one, but, but it's all that, all, but that, I'm but trying that to, was the culture. That's what I'm trying to point out. That's the culture. Okay. Well, from all I'm saying is, when I first got to Ottawa, the room was about, you know, six by 12, where the lounge area was with a tiny little European coffee table, round table with three two chairs, chairs yeah. to, to them blowing out the back room with couches. Yeah. And, you know, when you do that, all of a sudden players are hanging around the rink longer. They're hanging yeah. out after practice. They're having uh, milk sh or shakes or protein shakes and food. Anyway, we've are, I'm repeating they, yeah, myself. They now, added a shooting room. They made the workout that's what, room bigger. That's what I was yeah. kind of getting towards. But no, to I your point. It. It's nice that they've added and bringing back in these vets. I totally yes. agree with you. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I got two quick things before we get to Parker Kelly, who's our guest in today's show. Yeah. Uh, one, the defensive pairings right now. Uh, before we get excited about day one defensive pairings, let's not get too caught up in them being together. Yeah, okay. Um, as you are aware. So it's Shabbat Zub, uh, Sanderson, Hamannick, and then Brandstrom and Holden. Zaitsev is in that group too. So I, I think Nikita Zaitsev, it wouldn't shock me if he's in the top six to start the season. I'm just telling you right now. <sighs> so I'm just, I think he's been skating all summer. I'm not sure how he's going to look in camp, but I just get the feeling that he might be in the top six when training camp starts. Well, and we know DJ likes him. He works really hard. I'll give him that. Um, yeah. You can so turn your the, game around. You can turn it around. I spoke to a few guys yesterday and the word was that Shabbat yesterday, sorry, on, um, on Wednesday and, uh, the word was it Wednesday or Tuesday, the tournament through is on Tuesday. <laughs> sorry. I spoke to guys at the, at the tournament. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. Just and, go with and that. we had a good conversation about, um, I was doing a little, I was getting a little nosy. I was just curious as to who was going to be skating with who. And it yeah. sounds like, um, Shabbat will be playing with Zub at least to start. I could be wrong. You know, they flip flop and then it looks yeah, yeah, like you're looking at Sanderson and probably Hamannick on the second pairing. So you're right. Where does Zaitsev fit into this? Where does Nick Holden fit into this? I mean, and then you've got Branstrom and company as well. I don't know, man. I, there's, there's healthy competition, excuse me. There's healthy competition on the back end for those, for that last yep. pairing, those two spots. I don't know how you scratch Nick Holden. Like he was to me at least, and I don't know the analytics, but he seemed fairly consistent throughout a lot of the the, the yeah. season last year, and you could play him up and down the lineup a little bit on that back end. But then you've got a dogfight between guys like Zaitsev, Branstrom, and, and all the others. I don't know, Wally. I, I really think that you're going to look – if Sanderson comes out strong, great. He'll be with Hamannick. You've got your top four set. There's, there's okay. no question there anymore. Now it's, you know, Hamannick's contract. Do you move that? Do you just send him down to the American League and save a little money there on caps? Zaitsev. You mean Zaitsev? Yeah, with, with Zaitsev, correct. Sorry, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right I, answer is. I need to see them play. Maybe Zaitsev right. just, the light bulbs go off and he figures it out and he's a great right. player in camp and things settle. I, I don't know. That's, that's the only, I think we might be surprised, pleasantly surprised with the way Nikita Zaitsev plays. It. Yeah, is that um, so? Do you have like some insider info there, Wally? I do have not. You been watching? I, do, I, just, I know you lurk. I, you're a bit of a rink lurker. Uh, so you watch them, you know? I, I just go to see if you're at the rink that day is all I'm trying to <laughs> trying to do is I saw him skate this summer. It was July. Like he was still here. He was working yeah. his butt off skating with Shelly Kettles. 
I just know Good. that he's putting the effort in. So that's why I think, he, listen, he didn't just accidentally become an NHL player and play, a, you know, whatever. Amount oh, of games I agree. Played. Sure. Right. So that's why I think. Anyway, and Shelly Kettles get- is awesome, by the way. She's you you caught, you connected me with her and now she's helping me out with Jack, my yeah. son. Incredible skating coach, Shelly Kettles. She's she, I, yeah, I, we can talk all day about her. So yeah. we got to move on because I got lots to talk about. Um, Good point. We're going to get to uh, the defense never rests. And I'm shocked that you didn't announce your retirement on Tuesday because it seemed like, I guess it was Wednesday. It seemed like every great defenseman who played yeah. in your era did. So that's brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc., uh, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Go to uh, BonisherExcavating.com or call them 613-432-1120. BonisherExcavating.com, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Okay. Zidane Chara, the big man himself, 1,680 games, announced his retirement. Norris Trophy winner, P.K. Subban, he announced his retirement after 834 games. Many people surprised by that. And Keith Yandel, 1,109 games, uh, member of the 2005 draft. Were you surprised by any of these three? Subban, you know, Chara was a matter of time. I still think he could probably play. I know he can still play on a team and be effective, but at some point... Yeah, you know, it, it, hockey's as you know, Wally. It's very time consuming, and eventually, you know, your wife will only take so much, and that's like Tom Brady. I don't know how he's getting getting away with it, but eventually, you want to spend time with your family, right? And for those people that haven't really been around the game very much, any pro sport is insanely time consuming. It's a year round well, thing, including the training in the off season. I know every job is very time consuming, but I'm talking about all the travel involved as well all the time away from home. So I can understand Chara backing away. Yandel, no, same thing. And, and Yandel's play had regressed yeah. uh, tenfold, in my opinion. And that's all due, with all due respect. I think a lot of him playing toward the end there was, was probably because of the Ironman streak and there was yeah. a lot of pressure there to have him play. That might be a hot take. I don't think it is. And then nope. with Subban, his play's kind of gone down a little bit as well. That typically happens with players, but I still still surprised because I know he works really hard. He trains hard. Um, I thought you know he'd squeeze out a couple more seasons. Just my take. I'm I'm surprised too. Like I thought for sure, but there's I feel like it's been a drastic drop. If you if I'm being completely honest. oh no, it has and been. I know, yeah, and I know he's got the ESPN deal probably lined up where it's going to pay him several million. So um, yeah, you're 33. We got the rest of your life to go figure it out. You got plenty of money. Why not yeah. do it? Like. Yeah, I, I good for him. Well, I you guess. can I mean, bet. Congrats to everybody. You can bet if that man is retiring at his age right now, he's got something lined up moving forward, right? Yeah. So, and we yeah. know it's media because he's fantastic on TV. He's very outspoken. It's good for the game. So I understand. I get it. But I will say this, and everybody always told me this when I was playing, particularly the vets, play as long as you can, because once you retire, you you know. Depending on the situation, of course. I mean, in some cases, it's injuries like myself. I was forced out, but but to willingly retire at a young age could be very hard on you mentally. You know, a year or two down the road, where you might have a little bit of regret. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, here's my only question on that. Then, though, is it tough to be forced to retire not due to injury, but due to the fact that maybe nobody wants you to play? Hardest thing to do is to be. Well, I, I might be wrong, and this is subjective, of course. But from what I've heard, the hardest thing is being forced out and not being able to retire on your own terms. I dealt with it. It was very difficult for me. Like mentally those first, you know, we talk about mental health all the time. I, I mean, I, I figured it out. I had to do a lot of it on my own. And of course with my wife, 
but um, it was very hard on me and the family for a good year or so until I kind of settled and came to terms with it. But it's, it's something that, um, and there was, I believe there was another player. There was a good article I saw on Twitter. Uh, it was another Canadian athlete, an Olympian. I'm forgetting what sports she was in. Uh, but she talked about how, how hard it was for her to just kind of call it quits all of a sudden and then figure out what her identity is next. And that's, yep. that's half the battle. It's like, what do I do now? I mean, your whole life you've been associated with, you know, whatever sport you were playing. Now, all of a sudden you lose that identity that was essentially kind of intertwined with you and you yep. have to figure it out. And it's hard because no one cares anymore. Like when you're done, right. you know, like you're those old organizations they used to play with, like you're, you're gone. Like, see you later. Yep. And you're yep, left you're on your own to figure it out and pick up the pieces. Exactly. Yeah, I totally, I totally. Oh, you now, understand. Look, the, you get it yeah, too. Same, same, same. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah. luckily for you, you get to work with me now. So really, it's <laughs> well, been quite joking a bonus. aside, Wally. It's been like, but that's been my saving grace, right? I can come on here and shoot the shit with you. And sometimes I kind of hate your guts, but at the end of the day, I love you for it. And that's why we have such great chemistry. Well, all the time. I just like you. So it's, it's, it's feelings mutual. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of someone we do like quite a bit and you've been high on him uh, for, I want to say all, all of last season, Parker Kelly uh, played 41 yeah. games last year. You were in his corner for all of them. So uh, he's coming up in the show that is brought to you by Ridge Rock Brewery. Go to ridgerockbrewco.ca 15% off. Use the wham show coupon code wham show. Put that in, get 15% off, get home delivery. Uh, Parker Kelly coming up right after this. Uh, the man that needs no introduction has garnered tons of attention when the coach and the GM is talking about him all summer long. Parker Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, boys. Uh, have you heard, by the way, the comments from the coach and the GM about the excitement level they have for you to be a fixture on this team this year? Uh, no. I mean, I try to stay off social media and stuff, but, you know, usually my buddies are online or um, brother, mom and dad, so they're always checking it out. But So I kind of hear, but. Uh, mostly I try to stay off that and, and not to read too much into it. You've got to be pretty excited though for this year. Yeah, this is, uh, um, hopefully going to be a big year for me. You know, I obviously want to play in the NHL full time and, um, just re looking really forward to, uh, building off the good end of the season last year. Yeah. So Parker, you mentioned that the good finish, sorry, Wally, you mentioned the good finish there toward the end of the season, obviously a ton mm -hmm. of games that you got under your belt now. Yeah. What changes did you have to make this summer? Like, was there anything specific that you thought you wanted to address, whether it be in the training room, you know, or on the ice? Was there anything specific? Yeah, you know, I've kind of always got the same, like, um, kind of in the eggs. I mean, you know, you got to get stronger and, um, you know, work on your wall play and stuff. So that was kind of a big thing for me is obviously I got to keep working on my hands. And, um, you know, I, obviously I want to be more skilled and stuff. But the big things for me is, always my bread and butter and just getting stronger in the gym and, and making sure I'm strong on the wall. So those are kind of two areas that I just focused on this year. And um, hopefully, uh, you know, I feel good in myself and I think I had a good summer. Right on. You talk about your hands, you got a great finish as you talked about like down the stretch playing on that fourth line. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, you don't really need to work on your hands, do you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm uh, the most skilled guy naturally, but um, I, I do think I have a decent shot. But, um, yeah, obviously it was a good uh, 
last half of the year for me. And, you know, playing with Wadi and Gambo was, uh, was a really good fit for me. And, um, I, you know, I can't, I can't thank those guys, uh, enough for all the help and, and support and kind of taking me under their wing. So it, it was a great fit for me. And I, I really enjoyed playing with those guys. Austin Watson can be intimidating. I don't know what he's like if he's your teammate, but was there okay. anybody like that that was intimidating when you first started playing in the NHL? Oh, uh, no, I think my first big real like, wow, like this guy's intimidating. I think we played um, Tampa Bay and just seeing Hedman on the ice for the first time, like he was so much bigger than on the TV. And um, it was pretty crazy to see like how big his stick was and just to see how well he used it. And that was pretty intimidating, like just trying to get the puck in, into the ozone and, and go against that guy. It was pretty crazy. Was that was that sort of an like for me, at least, Parker, like getting into the NHL, my, the hardest thing for me was mm -hmm. just getting past that, like star, you know, starstruck thing and, and intimidation with some of the tough guys around the league. I had a hard time with that adjustment. It took a couple of years. What was mm -hmm. like that for you? Like, was that, was that something that you were very aware of coming into the NHL and trying to kind of break down those barriers and just know that you belong? Yeah, obviously I love hockey and, you know, growing up and watching players play and, you know, for me, like, I haven't got the chance yet, but like, if I've got the chance to like play against Sid, like that's kind of like my idol, I guess. And like, even like, I guess Connor McDavid too, but just playing guys like Matthews and, um, you know, Marshawns and guys like that, who I really watched growing up and still watch now. It's, it's kind of tough, you know, the first shift every time, like let's say I'm on the ice and I get, <laughs> we're getting hemmed in and like they're on the ice. It's, you're not thinking about it, but you know what I mean? Like after you get, oh, yeah. these guys are good, you know what I mean? But. So, so um, that if you had an opportunity, so here's a, here's a little trivia slash test. Okay. Sid's coming around the net in the offense, in your defensive zone. And you have an opportunity. I've said this before to other guests to fold them into a lawn chair. Would you do it? Or would you back off a little bit? Well, I think the player that I am, like, I'm not really scared to like hit big names. You know what I mean? So I'd hope good answer. Like a, good, a good clean hit on Sid, but. I'd Fair. probably know like someone's coming, you know what I mean? So, but <laughs> I'm not the type of guy to like shy away from physicality or just because it's this person or that person. Like I'm going to try yeah. and finish my checks all the time. Good answer. What are your thoughts then on making big hits and expecting to have to fight when they're clean? Yeah, obviously. Um, sometimes, you know, I get in a good collision or whatnot and um I wouldn't say I'm a guy who's expected to fight, but obviously I have to do stand up for myself and stand up for my teammates. So I don't think I have an issue dropping the gloves. Obviously I do have to pick my battles though. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be smart for me to fight a guy who's, you know, six, four has a lot of fighting experience. You know what I mean? So Agreed. I'd like to, to pick my battles and, you know, it's not going to do me or the team any good if I'm, you know, kind of swinging the momentum the wrong way. So um, I like to pick my battles and, you know, the coaches are pretty good about it. And, and also my, my teammates, they understand. So um, it, it makes it a lot easier to, you know, kind of not think about that stuff too much. You've, but you've already got a nice, you've already got a nice list though, right? Like Wally was sending yeah. me some of these, some of the info. And I mean, you're already like in your short time playing in the national hockey league, you've already laid out some pretty good players. I mean, Shifley, uh, Connor Murphy, Taylor Hall, the list goes on. And a couple Ooh. of them, I think the Taylor Hall hit was the one where maybe Lazar tried jumping you and you're looking around, yeah. dropping your gloves for anybody. And that's that awareness, right? And I think that's yeah. something that you develop and then you develop a reputation. And then I think it's more amplified. So I guess, is that something that you work on at all? 
I mean, I, I'm not saying you're sitting there with your gloves on mm. in the basement working on fighting all summer, yeah. but is that something that you're kind of working away at a little with boxing or anything in particular? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of, I wouldn't say like I've gone into a boxing class in the summer, but, you know, right. I think it's more trial by error. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember like preseason last year, like I kind of took a run at Pizzetta and was just going to try and chirp him after the hit. And, you know, I probably should have been ready and what happened happened. It was whatever. But so that's like, I learned from it. You know what I mean? So now after yeah. like the hall hit, you know, I kind of looked around as soon as I hit him, like hollow was right there. Um, and then I turned around Lazar was right there too. But um, so just like kind of trial by air, but I know I, I'm probably not going to be the guys who, you know, knocking guys out, but um, hopefully I can just stand in my own and, and protect yep. myself. So I've got, I've got some, actually some good tips from like Dono and and there's actually uh, you know, a guy who comes around in boxes, like he would be at de development camps. I can't remember his name right now, but he was pretty yep. good. Like just showing little things. And then obviously Belzy, like David Bell and in, in the American league, like he's pretty good. He fought a lot. So um, and he knows how to protect himself. So, and he understands, like, I'm not a guy who's going to swing for the fences. Like I just, it's more self-defense. So 100%. that type of stuff's good, good to hear and learn. And just to kind of like in the back of your mind for when it happens, hopefully you got some idea of what you're doing. Good call. Uh, it's a perfect time. I'm going to get your goal scoring and that's going to help me lead into uh, pearls of wisdom brought to you by BEI Bonisher excavating Inc. helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Go to Bonisher excavating to help with all your landscaping needs, competitive pricing, 432. 1120 bonisher they are helping to shape the ottawa valley here we go pearls of wisdom 188 that's your career whl points with the prince albert raiders that's the most by a raider since 2015-16 plus 19 in the 2019 whl playoffs that was the league leader at the time we'll mention that you did win the whl championship uh 18.1 hits per 60 minutes in 2021 that would put you third in the national hockey league a minimum 40 games played and eight. You're one of eight senators to score a goal in their NHL debut. Of course, that was May 12, 2021 against Freddie Anderson. I want you to explain this goal to me and describe it how you saw it. One, because you need a video review. There's nobody in the stand, so it's quiet. It just, I'm sure it's not the way you wanted it, but it went in. Uh, take me through this goal. Yeah. Um, crazy first game. Um, obviously with the COVID and stuff, I was obviously disappointed that, you know, my family and, and friends couldn't be there, but um, yeah, it was just a play I got on. And I think uh, I was with uh, Artem and Isimov and uh, Timmy on uh, for the line. And um, yeah, I just got the puck kind of in the corner and I just remember kind of getting pushed and somehow I fell over and it looked kind of looked like a bad hit, but I got up and I like stepped on my stick and was like, just kind of looking where the play was and the puck kind of came right off the end wall right to me. And I remember like just trying to get it up as high as I could. And I actually didn't get it off the ice at all. And uh, it went off Freddie's foot. And then I could kind of see from my angle that the puck was in like the back of the net kind of through like the mesh on the side, but I didn't have an idea. So I just kind of thought that I'd throw my hands up in the air and see what happened. And I actually looked at the ref like right in the eye and he had his arm off for a goal. So I was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> I guess it kind of went in. And then the whole video review thing was just fun and seeing like the, the suspense and feeling it that was that was awesome so something i'll never forget it, it doesn't matter uh i know you're an alberta boy but to, to do it against the leafs when it's the the big rival of the ottawa senators in fact you played your first three games in the nhl against toronto uh did it mm -hmm. matter to score it against the leafs um you know obviously i think my grandpa's and my uncle's favorite team growing up were the leafs like they were big leafs fans and then obviously 
Um, most of them are now Oiler fans. So um, it wasn't that big, but I guess for me, like looking back, like my uh, a cool thing for me is like my first kind of goal. They did a, the Sens did a really nice thing for me. They got like the frame and my stick and my pocket in there. And on the ice, you can see like Marner, Matthews, Riley and Anderson. So like to look back on that is like, it's pretty cool. I guess it was just luck that I was out there against him and it's kind of all luck, but something I can look back on and, and be pretty proud of. Someday in your career or at the end, you should get them to sign that. Yeah. I was actually thinking like, I know like uh, when Matthews had his first three or four goals in the NHL that night, he got Craig to like sign a stick. So yeah, maybe something like that down the road when I get a little bit more courage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that, is that your favorite goal? Uh, I look back at the one you scored. You pick your your spots here. Uh, your last goal is against Carey Price. You yeah. blow down the wing and then blow it by him. And I'm just curious if which one is your favorite of all the the goals that you've scored. Yeah, I think for me, obviously the first one's special, but to score in front of like a sold out building and like sends Habs like rivalry and on Carey Price and just the way the kind of the goal started with like Wadi like kind of sausage in the air and me being able to knock it down and going to two on one with Gamby and to have like an actual like shot, you know what I mean? Like the, my first NHL goal was like, I wouldn't say like a full on NHL shot, you know what I mean? Where this one, I kind of had a chance to like let her buck and ended up going by Pricer. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to see and, and to feel the energy and, and to look back on. And what did Austin Watson have to say to you? <laughs> I don't remember what he said. I, uh, he was probably just like good goal or whatever. But looking back on the video, I do realize that uh, he kissed me on the side of the head. So just uh, another, I guess, video of him showing his support for me and, and, and us as a line together. So it was awesome. You uh, depends on how this all plays out, as you know, uh, could have Gambrell as your centerman. Mark Kastelik has also been mentioned. He's your, yeah. if I understand correctly, your roommate uh, in the A and he's also one of your line mates at one point. Would that be an exciting thing for you to for you two to play together? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Cassie was drafted a little bit later, and I've kind of already been in the organization. But um, just playing against him in junior, and um, you know, seeing that he was going to be a force, kind of at towards the end of his career in the Western League, and then seeing him get drafted, and then getting the chance to live with him last year was pretty neat to to see like how well he takes care of himself and such a good pro and and see like how hard he works at his game and to keep his body in shape is, is pretty inspiring. And it's, it's, I mean, he's always, it's kind of feeding off me. You know, I see what he does and I try to do some of the things that he does, but he's uh, he's kind of a freak of, of nature. He's, he's a really big boy, but you know, he can move well. And hopefully one day if, you know, when things happen, if we can play again together and um, that'd be awesome. But um, yeah, as of right now, um, we're just working hard and trying to to make it together, I guess. So you are, well, I'm going to call you a pest for lack of a better term. I, and I mean that endearingly. Is Thank there you. been players that you've played against that you've, I don't know, hated is the word, but end up being teammates or they've joined Binghamton or sorry, Belleville at one point. Like, is there any of those guys that you've run into? Um, like, ah, he's not so bad. I guess, I guess funny enough, like we were playing Calgary in the Western league and, I took a run at Castie and kind of blindsided him and we ended up fighting in junior and uh, just seeing him get drafted. And I wouldn't say he beat the wheels off me, but he, he could have, I, I kind of turtled after he got the, his right arm loose, but uh, just like talking about that and like saying like, yeah, he's actually a really nice guy. Like 
no wonder he could have beat me up though like he's so strong and yeah it was actually pretty funny the first time we met so yeah who brought the fight up first well it was probably an outside source but i think the way it started was like yeah cash remember the time i beat the wheels off you in the washer league and then he kind of like perked up like, you didn't do that and so yeah we just kind of joke about it and i i always say i beat him but uh i i know and he knows that he, he probably would have won the fight so yeah it's pretty that's, funny that's pretty good uh are you ultra competitive in everything you do? Is there anything that you can be okay with losing at? <laughs> the right answer is probably no. Um, I know um, just a couple other things like cards. Playing at cards, I, I get very competitive, but I'm okay to lose at cards because I know I don't have the best strategies. But everything <laughs> in, in my life is um, – I'm very competitive at my mom kind of calls it like the Ricky Bobby syndrome. If you're not first, you're last. So that's kind of the way it's been for me growing up. Sometimes it, sometimes it hurts me. Sometimes it doesn't. So, yeah. It's uh do you have, okay. So what's your favorite thing to do outside of hockey that you're competitive at golf? That's like my big thing. Um, it's kind of funny. All my buddies back home, like we golf, um, a lot, obviously. And, um, I've also, my, my house back home in cameras is, um, is on the course. So I've been golfing, um, a long time and, and my buddies haven't been golfing as long as I'd say as me, but they're getting better. And, um, for the longest time for about like four summers in a row, I would always like bet them, like not one of you is going to beat me this summer. You know what I mean? And so I had a good streak, like four or five summers in a row of, uh, of them beating me. And now every summer one person seems to beat me. So I think there's only two of my buddies left who haven't beat me, but um, yeah, it'll be funny if they listen to this, but uh, yeah. So every time I've kind of lost, I've been pretty sour after, after the course and walking home and stuff. So yeah, it's been funny. Uh, very good. Um, there's lots of talk about this season. I'm sure you're aware you've skated probably now with Giroux and Dabrinkat uh, yeah. and, and Cam Talbot. Like what has been, what's the feeling for you, as you see this season now shaping up and, and the players that have now been assembled here. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty exciting for sure. And, you know, to see kind of the buzz around the city and then feel it, it's, it's obviously exciting and um, you know, it, it should be a good start for us this year, hopefully. And as long as everyone can kind of stay healthy, I think I, I really like our chances of getting in the playoffs this year. And that's something we're all, we're all wanting and, and hoping for. So um, I think the big thing for us is we just got to have a good start this season and, and get off on the right foot. So, Parker, the more important question, though, you've played 41 games last year. Are you still technically a rookie? Do you have to do a rookie dinner? Are you still picking up pucks after practice? What's going on there? Yeah. Because you're I, right on the cusp. That 40-game yeah. mark is usually a determining yeah. factor. Yeah. So I, I think maybe if you looked at, like, the NHL website, they might not have me, like, as a rookie. Like, I couldn't win the Calder this year, but – um, I'm definitely still picking up pucks and, uh, oh, you are, <laughs> I, I have to do, I, I, I didn't get to do the rookie dinner last year, so uh, I'll have to do that this year. So I'm still a rookie um, regarding what the, the NHL site says. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, okay. So I meant to ask meth this, the same thing. Meth has now stepped up his suit game. It took him to after his NHL career to finally figure out how to wear some clothing. Mm. I'm just curious how many you have, do you have like game a suits how do you break it down yeah so i got every year i kind of have like um i'd say like four or five suits that 
I have that I like really love. And then I, if I'm like changing it up or whatever, maybe I'll go like Lululemon pants and like a dress shirt and a, and a, and a tie and then just a pea coat over top. You know what I mean? Smart. But yep. it's, it's kind of tough. Like when I'm in junior, like I still had a lot of growing to do. So like I have a lot of suits at home, but like a lot of them have kind of grown out of. So the last like two, three years, like I haven't grown that much. You know what I mean? So I can still kind of recycle them. So I'd say I have about a good four or five suits that I wear and then a couple different options with the, the little lemon pants and stuff. So, but I'm definitely like pretty superstitious. Like if I have a good game or the team wins, like I'll keep the same suit going, you know what I mean? And then whenever that kind of falls off or whatever happens, then it's time for a switch up. But I also do like my dress socks. I probably have way more dress socks than I do for suits. So that's kind of my thing as well. Dress socks are important. I think it's a forgotten accessory. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, Matthew, you're not. You're not. Into I mean, this, I, into I, I don't know how to contribute on this. All like, all I would say is, like Parker, I my only advice: save your save your money. Don't buy too many suits, like some of the European dudes do. Like when I would play with yeah. Carlson and some of those guys, and they'd chirp my suit sometimes. Oh yeah. Like, and then at the end of the day, you're finished playing and you've got like, you know, 40 suits, you barely wear any of them. And they're just sitting there. I like, I got to the point where I would buy like one or two a year mm. and depending on how old they will look, of course. And then yeah. I would just wear that because it's, it's a complete waste of money and you're dropping yeah. anywhere from a grand to 2000 on a suit. That's insane. Oh yeah. Especially if you're getting like, I don't know what some of these guys are getting like brand name suits. Oh yeah. The designer suits. Do not do yeah. that. Don't fall into that trap. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? You're playing in Ottawa. You're going to be wearing an overcoat half the winter anyway, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, like no one's going to see what you're wearing when you're walking into the Canadian Tire Center in February. Yeah. So who gives a shit? Just keep exactly. doing what you're doing and don't don't fall for the peer pressure. No, never, never. But yeah, it's it's funny. Like I'll come in with like I don't know. I got this like tan suit that's like kind of looks like I'm wearing khakis. You know what I mean? And, like <laughs> remember the first time I wore it last year? Like I think. Timmy was right beside me in the stall. He goes, Holy cow, Kels, what kind of suit is that? And just like, Yeah, yeah. Like, Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Europeans always have like the best suits, yeah. though. Like they, they drop exactly. the most on them. They're skin tight. And if yeah. you have any leeway around your ankle, they're all over you. They just yeah. make fun of your suit. And so like, I get it. I, how do they, like, where do they get these designs from? Like, Morris just has a straight, like, blue, brown, red. You know what I mean? Like, where can I find a checkered, a checkered suit? <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? Yeah. If you're still, if you're playing in the NHL and you're still buying suits at Moore's good for you. I applaud yeah. you. <laughs> I guess I probably just like, I don't know, suicide comment there, but uh, yeah. so I, <laughs> I got a guy, I got a guy that does custom suits cheap. Um, would you be okay if the NHL did away with that dress code? Um, I'd probably, for me personally, it's probably better that I have to wear a suit to the game. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say like I'd have the best like street clothes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a pretty like plain Jane guy, so probably my suits for me it's probably I'd probably still end up just wearing a suit to the rink anyways. But I know there's a lot of guys who like love to like show off their street wear and stuff, but that's really not like my my I guess forte. So I'm more of just like a hat hoodie jeans or sweatpants type of guy <laughs> good man yeah <laughs> the uh I, I meant to go back when you scored your first goal you were undrafted and it took you five years roughly to play your first nhl game after signing with ottawa what mm -hmm. did you think of I, I know things are going on so quickly but when did you think of that 
you having gone through that struggle, if you will, to get to the NHL uh, in that moment, or did you? Yeah, I think obviously like after the draft pass and stuff and like, I think I only had like one other team who was wanting to invite me to their dev camp. So with my agent, like he's like, I think Ottawa is a good fit for you. So obviously going to Ottawa and I had zero expectations, you know what I mean? Like absolutely zero and just tried to go in and work hard. And luckily, you know, things worked out and, and they liked me here and I kept playing well and well every, every time and every opportunity I got. And I never really would say like, I thought like, yeah, like this is going to be a grind to get to the NHL. I thought more just, keep doing it, you know, head down, eyebrows down and, and good things will happen. And I think that's kind of a testament to how I was raised and that kind of good things happen to good people and always treat people with, with respects and, and just always work hard. So um, I never really thought too much about it, but I always wanted to get to the NHL and I always knew how hard I had to work to get to the NHL. Cause obviously, you know, not being drafted or not being a first rounder, it's, it's going to be a little bit different road for me. So what was that skate like when you have to go out by yourself at the beginning? A little nerve wracking. Um, obviously you don't want to do the, the fall <laughs> and slip on a puck. So kind of make more, just making sure you're a couple cautious laps and wait for the boys to get out there. <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun. It was also weird though. Like there was no fans, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. Like, like away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, one of the things about I've noticed about um, I'll say tough guys in general, they used to be they're fairly down to earth and very quiet or very well respectful and just like you. Uh, is it tough to play on the edge and still be that kind of guy off the ice? Um, for me, I, I'd say like obviously like as I've gotten more comfortable here like off the ice like and you know getting to know more of the guys, it's kind of been easy for me to to be myself, you know and um obviously when you come up and you're called up like you're kind of a little shy you're you're more like wow like this is the nhl and um you know for me the guys were great here and, and welcomed me and obviously like i've been playing with them like i played with nori um and and for me in, in the minors and stuff so like they were there they, they were there to help me and obviously like being in the organization like brady and and wadi and, and stuff like that like they were all great to me and you know coming up and and being like a little shy now I can be a little bit more myself and I think it's it's easier just to kind of be, be I have a big personality I guess I'd say and um it's starting to come a little bit more natural but um yeah it's been fun to get to know guys and and to to share stories and then get to know them for sure Parker like your style and I hate we hate I hate pigeonholing a player to like a style of play like a pest because obviously mm -hmm. you're, you're more than that but players have to usually evolve find their games to progress out of junior and find a different role, right? That's very typical. Yeah. Brandon Prust scored goals with me when I played with him in London and turned into a fighter. Obviously mm -hmm. you're a lot more skilled than he is. So I'm not saying you're a fighter. Where, where did that pest and that, 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 that hard nose play come from? Was that something that was always with you as a kid in minor hockey? Like, do you have siblings? Were you always fighting with a brother or something? Like where, where does that come from? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a long story, but, uh, so growing up, like Camrose, like small town, um, we had a really good group. Like the 99 group in Camrose was like the best, you know, growing up. We always won championships. And then, you know, when we were in Adam, like before Peewee, um, when we were like, we were like hitting full on, you know what I mean? Like our yeah. the parent coaches, they did a really good job with like teaching us how to hit. You know what I mean? Like we played hard hockey and uh, that carried on all the way up to like Bantam. So now Peewee was hitting and then like Bantam's hitting and like, we would just run over teams. You know what I mean? Like, 
small towns and then we're playing the big city kids you know what i mean and they weren't too big with the physical game and no that's how we that's how we would win you know what i mean like we just would so that had kind of already always been ingrained in in me like being able to hit and being a smaller guy like learning how to hit bigger people you know what i mean so then coming into junior um i had a pretty good 16 year old year and like was just really happy to be on the team and then the second half was um, really good and then leading into my 17 year old year you know, I, I had big expectations, you know, I thought I was going to get drafted, you know what I mean? And then the first like 15 games, like I remember like getting called into the office with my coach, Mark Havshide, and he's like, you know, things aren't going well. Like, I'm going to tell you how you need to play to get to the NHL. He's like, you're kind of in, in oh, between wow. right now. You know what I mean? So he's like, you're not playing well enough to be like in the top six. You know what I mean? Like, and to be quite frankly, like he was right. And He's like, you're probably not going to be a top player in the NHL, like top six players. So this is how you're going to get to the NHL. He's like, you're going to be a straight line forward. You're going to hit. You're going to do all the things. You're going to be the work pale guy, okay? So I just kind of trusted him. And it was almost one of the most influential parts of my career, just like listening to Mark and like seeing what he had to say and just trusting wow. him the whole like next three, four years of junior. So I owe a lot to him and, and I really thank him a lot. And I always say thanks for helping him get, helping me get to the NHL. So that's kind of my story and like how it all played out. But thanks to Mark, my game kind of always translated to the next level. You know what I mean? Like I never really had to change my game. So I owe a lot of that to Mark. And that's, that's classy of you to shout him out like that. And, and I think more importantly, mm. a lot of guys get told what to do right in junior hockey, those transition years. And it's hard. Yeah. Like you got to give yourself credit too. Like you're willing to get a little dirtier, change your game, completely reinvent yourself. So not an easy thing to do. And I guess there you go. You're, you're finally reaping those rewards. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, I, I, of course it was tough. Like in Bantam, I had a lot of goals and a lot of points and stuff, but yeah, I was never that kid growing up. You know what I mean? Like I was yep. never leading the league 150 points, hundred, hundred points. You know what I mean? 30 games. Like that was never me. I was just more did the little things. You know what I mean? And kind of was always a penalty killer. And once I got to junior, my role expanded as I got older, you know what I mean? But Yep. I just really look back and like, that's like probably the most influential thing is when he said, you know, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be straight line, hardworking. You're going to hit, you're going to go to the net. You know what I mean? You're going to be F1 all the time. And then that kind of just like bloomed me into, I guess what I am now. So I'd like to go back then to your first meeting with Mark, uh, because I'm going to guess you didn't think three or four years later that you two would be on the same page. Oh yeah, of course. And like, um or sorry are you, you talking about Habscheid or yeah so when you first met Mark Habscheid did he not look past you yeah of course so like he's probably not gonna be happy that I'm telling this story but uh <laughs> I was 15 and uh I got to leave school early and go watch the Raiders play the Oil Kings at uh, Rexall Place and um I remember getting there and being so excited and um, I got to walk down and uh, meet Mark and Dave Manson, who were like the head and assistant coach at the time. And Dave was pretty excited to see me, like shook my hand, took me in and like took me right into like Mark's office after warmups. And I remember being like, hey, I'm Parker Kelly. Nice to meet you. And then like looking back now that I'm like 17, 18, 19, he's like, you know, that first time you came down to, to Rexall, I thought you were the stick boy. And I was like, oh my God, like that's so funny. Like who know who knew that like I we end up being have like this good of a relationship and like him 
pretty much teach me like the game of hockey kind of all over again. And, you know, I, I owe a lot to him, but that's kind of our first like encounter with me and Mark. He's thought I was a stick boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did later apologize. I have heard the, the clip of him apologizing that he didn't know who you were at the time yeah. and how he treated you. So yeah, that's good. Um, so now what's it been like in these skates uh, for you guys? I'm trying to explain to people who haven't been out to see you guys skate around the energy level that I feel is on the ice with this group. And I, I've covered the team for 25 years. I've never seen a group, and maybe it's because of the age of most of you, a group that's as excited to start a season like this group is. Yeah, you can definitely feel it. Um, you definitely see it at practices. Everyone just kind of has a chip on their shoulder, I think. And um, we're ready to win. You know what I mean? Like it's, I wouldn't say it's been the best years for the Ottawa centers, but I think for us as players and, and the fan base as well, I think it's our time now and we really want to show and there's some expectations that we all have been working hard in the summer for. And, um, you know, I think that's going to translate and, and hopefully we get off to a good start this year. And the biggest thing will be us playing meaningful games coming down the stretch at the end of the, at the end of the year. So that's going to be, um, an awesome feeling and an awesome way to, to get going. And uh, it should be exciting. DJ Smith is known to be quick witted or sarcastic, if you will. How many games did it take you before you chirped him? I still haven't chirped him yet. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe a couple more years, but uh, yeah, I, I probably, I probably should just uh, stay in my lane till at Smart least answer. probably. <laughs> At least a hundred games before I even think of doing something. Like that. <laughs> Just wait till next season. You're on your one way deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have, has there been like, what is the talk in the room uh, this summer or on the ice? Like, is do you guys chat much about it, or is it just kind of understood of the the way this season should play out for you guys? If that makes any sense. Yeah, I think like like you can like. You, you know, the boys, everyone's kind of thinking the same thing. Like we'll kind of talk about, you know, playoffs and stuff like that. And um, for right now, I don't think we're looking too far ahead. You know what I mean? That big, the first thing is for us just to have a good start. And, um, you know, I think the boys all know what we have to do to, to succeed. And it's just about, you know, staying healthy, being hard on the puck every game and just playing the right game every, every day and being hard to play against. A couple of questions before I let you go. And maybe Meth has some, I should, I guess, let him ask one or two is uh, what do you like to do in the dead middle of winter when you're in Ottawa? Um, well, once like playing in PA, like obviously it's kind of the same, like pretty, pretty cold and stuff. So I, I kind of got into video games. Um, now that I'm older, I've, I've kind of turned that down. You know what I mean? But I'm a pretty big like movie guy. I love watching Netflix and stuff and, um i'll always like watch hockey and stuff like that too but probably like the right answer would probably be like video games what are you playing uh, i haven't played video games in like a year but the last game i finished was uh i was back on Fortnite and uh the nhl like 2022 or whatever it was but i i don't know some of the boys today we were talking about there's a new like call of duty game coming out in november yeah. or whatever but soon soon yeah, yeah in a couple actually cool. i think next next week yeah maybe that game will get the courage and me to dust off the controllers and get back <laughs> do you have uh while you're watching netflix uh, a favorite snack like a cheat snack 
Yeah, I love uh, ice cream. That's that's been my new thing, and probably for the last like year, just like ice cream, either a Hagen Dazs bar or like a Hagen Dazs mini tub. That's kind of when it gets crazy if we're watching a long movie. But do they uh, still usually, have it after? Is there still a, is there still ice cream after pregame meals on the road? Uh, yeah, it's back now. Yeah. So oh, they brought. <laughs> yeah, I have a solid like. I love my sweets. Like it's probably bad for me, but I'm kind of lucky. Like I can kind of get away with like eating, you know what I mean? Like I'm have a high metabolism or whatever, so I can kind of get away with it. But I do love a good, like cookie and ice cream on the road, like before, like with the pregame meals, but Ottawa, Ottawa here, like our, uh, our chef, he makes like the best cookies for me, all the like rinks and like hotels I experienced last year, like Ottawa's cookies are the best. Yeah, they have they have them under the heat lamp, those big chocolate chip ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Those are so they're solid. It's basically a huge yeah. piece of cake that you're yeah, eating. Yeah, and like I, they leave them like a little raw almost. Like that's yeah. that's a good cookie. Like <laughs> an undercooked cookie is like the best. You can't totally have it like crispy and hard as a rock, you know? Yep. But, it's very yeah. true. Uh in fact, the long time ago, one of the GMs instilled a rule in the media lounge that we were only allowed to have one cookie each. Uh, really? because everybody was taking them and he didn't Smart. get to have a cookie some of you some of you media people don't need more than one cookie wally <laughs> that that may be we don't have a high metabolism all the time that's correct <laughs> that's right <laughs> i i only stuck to i i only took one um yeah. parker we're gonna let you go uh but i appreciate you stopping by we're excited for you this season and based on what happened at the end of last year and how well you played mm -hmm. uh, we think great things are in store for you this year for sure yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. And hopefully we'll see you guys around the rink or something and get a chance to meet you guys in person. Sounds good, Parker. Mark, thanks, Mark. Mark will take you suit yeah. shopping. Yeah, I guess we can just meet at Moore's or maybe even <laughs> yeah. Value Village. Eh? Whatever, <laughs> wherever you want to go, Village. brother. All right, deal. All right. Yeah. See you, Parker. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks once again to Parker Kelly. Uh, we wish him all the best this season. Now time to welcome to the show, as always, Craig. I feel like <laughs> What's you, going on, guys? You need an entrance. Like, you need, you know what? We should make you a song entrance. I do love um, pageantry. That's one thing I do love. So, Matthew, you got something? Yeah. I was going to say something, no. but I realized it's very inappropriate. So I'm just going to give my best shot for the song okay. entrance. Remember oh, that little jingle um, I sent you guys last week? Move yeah, on. yeah, we should do that. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Before we, I, I got something that Craig's, I think he's going to want to talk to us about, but one of the things that we, I missed off the top and that's uh, training camp, fitness testing. I know it's big for meth. Uh, yeah. uh, I was going to call him Shane Norris. Josh Norris <laughs> uh, was number one, number two, Mark Kastelik. So yeah, uh, I, I'm a little bit surprised by Norris being number one, only for the fact Nick Paul was always the guy, but yeah, uh, good for Norris to come in ready. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to mention this because Norris was no surprise. We know he's an animal in the gym and he works really hard, but Castellick, like, listen, I've been pretty high on him for the summer. I, I yep. still think he's going to take Gambrell's spot at that fourth line center. Listen, I saw this mutant at the golf course the other day and he made me feel small. Like, and I'm not just saying that to be funny. Like, and when I say mutant, by the way, I mean that as a direct compliment. I guys used to call me that in the AHL all the time. Yeah. They call me mutant. Anyway, doesn't matter. Castellick, <laughs> he's my dark horse in this camp. I've always usually got one guy that I'm kind of leaning on to kind of make a little bit of a splash. Sure. I don't know where you stand, Wally, where you stand, Craig, but 
I've got him right now slotted in to take that spot and be an upset. I know they're going to cater to Gambrell a little bit, but I think Castle is going to shock a lot of people. He is a freak of nature. Gambrell's the inside spot for sure. So, yeah. I, and I don't disagree with you. I liked his game when he came up. I think he's got plenty of upside and I look forward. He, Potential. He's going yeah. to be that guy, I think. But is it this year? I don't know. But imagine a line of Kelly Kastelik, who, by the way, could beat the shit out of anybody on that team as well. And then Austin Watson on your, on your right side. Like if I'm a defenseman, I don't want to go out on the ice against that group. Like it'd be a nightmare. It's chaos. Yeah. I love those guys. But if I'm, if I'm a forward, I wouldn't hate me, <laughs> but fair enough. Anyways, but can, going how, to- big, how, how big would Parker Kelly play? And I know he, oh my does, God. he doesn't back you down from anybody. You could unleash but he him. would have a nine hits a game. Yeah. 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 Oh, Cap- and uh, by the way, and, and a quick shout out to Steve Lloyd. Cause we told Parker after the show, how big of super fan Steve Lloyd is. Cause he caught on to Parker Kelly like three years ago when I was completely yeah. unaware of him. And, and Lloyd, he told me at one of the practices in training camp, he's like, watch that kid. It's going to be something special. So shout out to Lloyd. He was bang on there. Fair enough. Absolutely. Speaking of Parker Kelly, uh, Zidane Ochara retiring. Wally, you asked a question in the group chat the other day that got us going a little bit. So we thought we'd bring it here. And that was kind of who are the best sends hitters of all time, career or like all time franchise, best hitters. Uh, and we've turned it into a little something that you aptly you named now, uh, Mount Crushmore. So I've asked for you each <laughs> to give me your four. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really proud of that. But yeah, before yeah, we yeah. get there, I just, uh-huh. This is not based on number of hits. Like I will me, read out me, the top I, five. I got it. Let me let me explain all this here. Let's okay. not jump in. You can because this is this is where it gets a little contentious. So before he makes the rules, I'm gonna make the rules. <laughs> and the rules are: I need four guys, and I need explanations. So you can do that. You can look at uh, who's got the okay. most, who has the biggest. Le- uh, I don't know. Whatever you want to do it by. All right. Who would like to start? Wally, go, I want to hear first. your nonsense. Go ahead. Yeah, you know what, Wally, you were starting already. So why don't you kick us off with your <laughs> Sens Mount Crushmore? Okay, but I think it's important to point out that it's not based off of the number Pure of numbers. Hits. It's yeah. based on how exciting they were as hits. Impact. All right? Impact. So Chris Neal is number one. And I know he leads the team in hits all the time. But yeah. um, I like Mark Borowiecki. He's, you're coming on the left side. You don't know if... Boro's going to take your head off or not. He sometimes takes himself out of position to make that hit. I'm okay with that. Um, I thought Mike Fisher, pound for pound, was probably the strongest player to ever play for the Ottawa Senators. And then uh, I'm going to follow the, it. This pains me. I'm, f- I'm putting Mark Mathot on my Mount Crushmore. Only for, for Tell me how much it hurts. It, uh, <laughs> I how does it Alfie. taste, Wally? I, I was going to put Alfie there based just on hitting Darcy Tucker, but I put you there. Oh, fair. Uh, just okay. I forgot about the Tucker. Ended, you hit uh, only because I can never forget this hit. And I know there's others, but the Nick Felino one is obviously one, but you hit Sidney Crosby with that. I want to say it's a hip check. And then yeah. he hit Pascal Dupuis and actually ended his career. I, I know you weren't trying I to know. do that. I know. I don't. But, yeah. But point is you could take two guys out of one play. That's how good you were at hitting. So Thank you, Wally. that's Thank my you. Mount Crushmore. Okay, that's good. I, I think it looks pretty good. And to be fair, it's weird that you preface that because you picked uh, three of the top five five hitters. Uh, in, well, there's something there, right? Like so, but you're not wrong. Yes, yes, yes. So, number one is is no. There's no question. It's Chris Neal. I mean, I just playing playing with him, the the impact, and he's just this yeah. brick shit house. Like for those who have not seen Neal off the ice, you guys have seen him. He's not that short. 
you know, he's a good six feet, I want to say, but like thick and strong. And, and is is the impact of those hits. I mean, you could just feel it on the bench. It hurt me watching them. So Neeler's my number one. Uh, I'm going to put myself at number oh. two <laughs> because, oh my God. because of the art, the art form that I brought to, to Ottawa. So everybody listening, you were all very welcome for the show I put on. Um, very difficult thing to do. I don't think I have enough time to explain, so I'll move on. <laughs> and then, no, no, okay. Joking aside, though, I am for sure at number two. Uh, and then I've got Borough. Borough's in there somewhere. I just, I have a hard time putting ahead of guys like Chera and Volch uh, because Volchi, Volchi had a bit of a hybrid hip check once in a while, and he would injure guys. And I had an appreciation for that because when I grew up in my teens, I was watching Volchenkov and I was watching Chera. Those were like my favorite players. So I've got a little bit of a bias there. And yeah, no, honorable mention for sure, Mark Borvietsky. No question. He's my guy. I like how he handles himself off the ice as well. But uh, for sure, I'm number two. And that's really all that matters. Okay. I think I think that's a good one here. Uh, somebody, uh, a Thank notable you. maybe omission okay. by both of you guys before we jump back yep. in here is Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk. Okay. Yeah, I know. But Brady's just getting started. So I don't want Hold Brady, on, a lot of Brady's hits are along the walls, you know, okay. like... Uh, the rub out kind yeah. of hits and stuff. So quantity I mean, over I quality. Love Brady. Quantity over quality is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Okay. But that yeah. being said, uh, and I he is sixth all time on the sends and hits already. He's five away from a thousand. Yeah. Crazy. He's, he's an animal. Like that's that's crazy in itself. I would like to point out because you thought that you were so great at it. You're 13th all time on the well, you know, hit list. The, the nice thing about my position is that I'm 13th because unlike a lot of other players on that list. We had more puck possession when I was on the ice. So typically speaking, it's hard to hit people when your teammates have the puck. I see. So you're a puck carrier too. Like that 2017 run, we didn't even play in the final. And I think I still finished like third in the playoffs and hits. I think. Yeah, you're a beast that year. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, we're done fluffing Mark up here. Yeah. We can move on. You're number, you. yeah, you're number two on your. I'm going to go tell my wife I want to come back, and then I'll skate for yeah, 30 minutes, and I'll have to ice my knee for a week. So, Okay, there it is, Mount Crushmore's. I think they're both both pretty good. I think you guys gave good reasons there, too. It's always nice to remember some of the older guys, too. Uh, yeah, Volchenkov and those guys. So, yeah, nice little trip down. Yeah, and, and well done on the, the graphics. And, well. Craig, thanks for allowing myself to pump my own tires. We need a more of a platform for you to be able to express how good you really were. I think <laughs> there should he should never have been allowed to vote for himself. That should I have know, been a rule I know. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not number one. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought about it. Uh, great stuff as always. Uh, we'll be back again. That is our episode for this week. Uh, you're watching the Wall and Mathot Show brought to you by Ridge Rock Bruco. We'll see you next time, boys. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.